Oh, hey there. What's up? How are you? Welcome to another podcast. Welcome to another one of the entrepreneur episodes. The podcast about what it's really like to bootstrap a company. It's 3.13 a.m. at the time I'm recording this. Because I'm a night owl and I love the silence of the night. Someone said that the night belongs to the poets. But I have to rephrase this. I think the night belongs to the indie hackers. Everything is silent and we can just focus on our projects without any distractions. I love it. I really, really love it. And uh, it's also a great time to reflect and to record this podcast. Why not? Today, I won't tell you what I'm going to talk about. Not because I don't want to, just because I I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be pure, like, therapeutical call. I will just tell you what I'm feeling and share a little bit about my projects and that's it. I want to do it this way. It's, you know, mix things up a little bit so that you don't get, uh, so that I don't get too predictable, right? Because if I get too predictable, you will eventually um, stop listening to me and go listen to Arvid's podcast, for instance, or something. So since I want to retain you, I want to make it really, really surprising. So... Sometimes I wonder if my neighbors can hear me record this podcast and if they get upset. But to be honest, he is a drummer and sometimes is really annoying. So I don't care. Unless it bothers him, then I care because I'm, I don't like confrontation. <laughs> oh, going deep already. Anyways, yeah, let's just talk. Let's just talk and, and share a little bit of the indie journey. Because that's why what we are here for. One thing for sure. There's one thing that I know will be in this in this episode, which is the sponsor section, a new indie product for you to try out. But that's it. Besides that, let's just go. And there's no intro either. We'll just start. Three, two, one. Let's go. So let's start already with a non-community project. As you probably remember, when I was talking with uh, my co-founder, Joan, about the Indie Lottery, in the end, we decided to stop it. Or I decided to stop it. I'm not sure if it was ready yet, but I decided to stop it. I wasn't feeling it. But one thing I wanted to do with him is something that is not really indie, but might bring a lot of money which is our agency. An agency to help indie makers and startups to build their products. Between him and me, we have a very diverse set of skills. I am a developer, and uh, because I'm as well an indie maker, I've tried so many other things, right? Marketing, content creation, and everything. But I'm kind of a full-stack developer now. I've done back-end, front-end, DevOps, machine learning, whatever, everything. And he is a designer. is um, now a UX UI designer, previously a graphic designer. So he does logos, he does a bunch of stuff. And he's also very um, resourceful. He's the kind of guy that is able to basically do whatever he wants, really like being something artistic or something DIY. 
So I thought, okay, let's just gather our skills and offer this as a package to others. Because for that, people are willing to pay. We both tried many times building our, our entrepreneurial projects, but they never really paid. But one, one thing for sure, like people are really willing to pay for your time. That's something that I realized. It's, I think it's easier. Maybe it's our area, but I think it's easier to sell my time for a good amount of money than to sell my products. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying this and it's not right. Maybe, again, it's just because of my area. It, there's such a need for developers and to build products that people are just willing to pay. Maybe it's more that in that direction. But yeah, it's, it's quite fun. We are trying to um, come up with ideas. The first thing, we had the talk and we had the chat, uh, uh, late night chat, and we were wondering, okay, how are we going to organize this? Like, how will this agency work? Because one thing for sure, I'll, I'll be the one doing the sales. Like, he doesn't want sales at all. So I'll be the one, like, DMing people and calling people and trying to sell our service. So what will he do, right? Is he only, like, an employee? And he will offer his design skills? Or is he also going to be a co-founder? So we kind of chatted about this. And in the end, we decided that he wants to be a co-founder. And for that, he would take more responsibility. So not only the design part, you will take over other parts of running the business. And for that, it means that you should also get paid, right? So we agreed that on top of uh, how much each one of us wants to, to ask per hour, we will put an extra fee, like an agency fee, the, the fee that will guarantee to our clients that will manage the product. Actually, it doesn't even matter if it's me or, or João working on it. We can even like find other people because I have the community and I know so many people that can help, like great developers or great, great workers. So we are the face, right? Like our agency is the face. We don't have a name yet, but we, and that's why people pay extra so that we guarantee that the work is done. That's something that that's basically what people want. In the end, they don't care about how much it costs to pay you per hour. They just want to know how much will the project cost? I want something done. Can you do it? So yeah, that's what we agreed. Now I'm also kind of questioning still if it's the best approach, because if I'm the one making the sales sales, and then I will also be working why should he also get paid if is uh, if he's only doing design? He should only maybe get paid for the hours, right? But I guess it really depends on what responsibility and how much work he has. And he's, he already started, right? So it already makes sense that he's, uh, since he's invested in it, that it gets some reward. He started with the design. And uh, what we said is like, okay, let, let's take some proper pictures because I have none. I have no good pictures, you know, profile pictures, pictures that I can show on LinkedIn or on a website agency. So at this place, he has like a full photographer gear with lights and that little umbrella thingy that you always see photographers use. And we start taking pictures and you know something that is hard to pose. Like, I don't know how to pose really. 
To be honest, I also don't care too much. I I am not super photogenic. I'm okay. I think I'm okay. But yeah, it, it took a while for me to understand what poses worked and what poses did not work. In the end, the one that worked the most for me was on the side. So I, I'm I have my arms crossed and I am on the side looking over my shoulder. That looked well. <laughs> that uh, that worked well. And uh, now Joan will do his Photoshop magic. And he already shown me one first design of the um, of the page. The page will be very simple, basically a landing page, like a landing page, and it looks really cool. Like I, I really like working with Joan. I really start to understand the importance of design. It it just changes the way you value a product. And more and more, I start as well to realize that a value of the product is not necessarily only the what it does but as well how it looks right like when we're talking about the book when you buy a book and you just get a satisf- satisfaction from buying this book even if you don't read it or a course or something you just get a satisfaction of knowing that you have it because it will take you to the place you want to you want to go right and uh, when you look to this beautiful book, it makes a difference. It gives you some joy, and this increases the value of the book, of the, of the product. So it's the same. When Joan is making a website, it's much, much better than a Tailwind template or something. Because people look at it and say, okay, these guys know what they're doing. They know how to build products. Even if it's a simple landing page, because quality is in every detail. Wow. Ah, maybe this should be our slogan. <laughs> it was like asking me, Tiago, give me our, we need, we need a copy. Quality is in every detail. Tiago and João. João, and, I don't know. We need to get a better name. But yeah, one other thing that we need are testimonials. Testimonials are key, are really, really important because Especially if people do not know you, right? Why should they trust you? Just because you have a nice design, it's not enough, right? So you need testimonials and you need a, a way to show what, the, what work you have done to other people. And um, now it starts the sponsor section of today's episode. Because today's product is socialjuice.io. This is an indie product made by a fellow indie maker. His name is Sander. And this allows you to collect and show testimonials from your clients. And it's funny, I remember the first event that Ida did with us in the WB space. And in the end, the event went really well. People were really happy. And she was like, okay, bye. And I asked her, why didn't you ask for reviews? It was, this would really help your business. And she said, well, I don't know what tool to use. Well, if uh, Ida would know about social juice, maybe things would be very different. Today, I'll be mostly focused on one specific feature of social juice, the feature of collecting the testimonials. In further episodes, we'll discuss other features. But uh, today, I want to tell you about this one, how to collect testimonials, which, to be honest, is probably one of the most important part of this whole process. One cool thing about Social Juice is that it allows you to import testimonials. 
So you can uh, just import from Trustpilot, Twitter, Product Hunt, App Store, so many options they have here. So it's really cool and really easy to import. But one thing that really sets social juice apart is the possibility to collect video testimonials. Because sometimes you just go to someone else's website, you're looking to acquire a service or a product and you see a bunch of reviews, but they are just written down. Who's to say that the owner of the website didn't just write his or her own reviews? There's nothing more genuine to see someone on video. You cannot fake that emotion, right? So if your clients actually take the time to record themselves praising you and praising your product, this will mean the world. It will mean much more than a tweet or a written review. So how can you collect these testimonials? It's very, very simple. You just uh, create a free account on uh, socialjuice.io and then you click on collect new testimonials. Once you do that, you get a link. Very, very simple. And you can copy this link and share it with your clients. As simple as that. Once your client opens the link, you'll have a very nice message kind of describing what uh, or, or how they can record the video. And then they just hit the button, record a video testimonial, and that's it. They do it through their browser. They don't need to install any app. And of course, Social Juice makes sure to get all the permissions and rights from your clients so that you can freely use their video's testimonial. It's a great indie tool, and I'm sure it will help you to increase your business conversion rate. You can try Social Juice for free. And once you're ready to upgrade, you can use the code WBE for 25% off for one year on all the plans. The codes and the links will be in this episode's show notes. So make sure to scroll down and check them out. And that's the end of uh, today's sponsored section. I hope it was useful for you. Joe and I might actually use Social Juice for the testimonials in our website because that's what i was talking before uh speaking of the sponsor section right we want to make sure we gather those we don't have a lot well joan has been a freelancer for a long time so i'm sure you'll be able to find some people willing to leave some great reviews for me i only had one client and so far, he's been really happy. So I think I can get him to to speak about my services. But yeah, I don't know what. Is there an, any other way? Maybe I can try to, I don't know, to reach out to people that I worked with or something and ask them for a review. Because I think this is really, really important. Besides that, I guess there will be only one button in our in our landing page so that we can have a discovery call. I, I learned this recently from Lydia um, from uh, last episode. What is a discovery call? That uh, is basically our first call, a free call that we can have with our potential new clients and we see if uh, we can help each other. Yeah, but that's it. I've been, uh, Jean has been really busy actually. So uh, we still didn't do much, but I, I really feel the pressure to do it because I need to start making money. And I know this is a good way to make money and so that I can feel more, if I want to feel, rather, if I want to feel more 
uh, stress-free, I need to do this. I need to start making more money. Now, what else do I want to talk about? I want to talk about Netflix. <laughs> do you know Netflix? Yeah, this new company that actually started by selling DVDs. Yeah, that's that's the one. I've been watching a really interesting series. It's called Breakpoint. It's about tennis. And uh, I know what you're asking. Do you like tennis? No. <laughs> I, I, I've never watched it, really. Well, I, I know that there's Nadal and Federer, and, and that's basically it. I, I actually played tennis a little bit when I was a kid, but I was never good at it. Because services, like, the serve while playing tennis is super hard. Like, why would it be so hard? I think that's why I like paddle so much, because it's super easy to, to serve now. But... Um, yeah, this series is really, really good. It's very similar to Drive to Survive. I don't know if you watch it, which is basically a series that follows the Formula One circuit. This one follows the tennis circuit. And I have to be honest, I, I've never watched either tennis or Formula One before uh, watching the series. And at least for Formula One, it's really, it really worked because now I'm a big fan. I watched the whole series. Uh, or the the whole um, uh, season last last year, go Ferrari. Actually, lost Ferrari, lost. But anyways, and uh, I don't know, like the way they do this kind of series, it's really it's art. It's like pure art. Like the whole compilation of music and the shots they take and the stories they are able to follow, they're really cool. Cool. They're cool. <laughs> they're good and cool. They're cool. They're really cool. And you get to fall in love with with the characters, with uh, with the players. So you connect with them, and you want them to win. And it's it's really interesting because I see a lot of parallels between this sport and indie hacking. First of all, it's it's a brutal sport because only one can win, right? It's a one on one, and. Uh, as a player, if you win, is on you. If you lose, is as well on you, right? It's like being a solopreneur. Our wins are, are, are our own and our losses are our own. It's our responsibility, right? And uh, they are playing with each other. And for sure, one person will be happy and one person will be sad. <laughs> Always. Only one can win. And if you play in the team, right, if you play volleyball, football, handball, whatever, you can share this with your team. You can share the loss, the win with your team. In this case, you can't, right? So the mind games and the consequences in the mental health of the players are brutal, are really brutal. And to make everything even worse, they only actually get paid if they win, so if they don't win, they don't get paid. Granted, they get paid. That get they get paid a lot. They really get paid a lot. Like they were saying that they make one hundred k per game, right? So if they win one game, they make one hundred k. So if it was me, I would just like play or like try to win one. That's it for the the whole year. That's super super good. They have a lot of possibilities to make the money, but still, again. Like us, indie hackers, if we don't win, we don't make the money. <laughs> so it's interesting to see the whole dynamics of the sport and, and the stress. And uh, quite often they start doubting themselves. I see 
a lot of resemblance with what I feel. When they win, they feel that like the best. When they don't win, they they beat themselves up. They think, okay, it's because of me. And sometimes they just don't know. They don't know what are they doing wrong. Sometimes they are playing a great game and suddenly the momentum changes. They, they say this a lot, the momentum changes and then the other player starts playing really, really good and we start losing. And they don't know often how to recover from this. To be honest, I don't even understand what is this. What is this momentum? I felt it. I felt this before, for sure. When playing sports or whatever in life, sometimes you feel everything is going good, but sometimes everything from one day to the other starts going down and you don't really understand why, right? With our business, the same. We can go from the best month with the most sales and then next month we have like the worst month and we don't know why like it feels that we lose our momentum we we lose our self-confidence as well so one thing that i always try to do when i i'm in such a situation when i just do not know what to do when i start feeling frustrated i i try to take a step back and analyze where is my opponent getting points and what can I do to prevent that? It's not easy, but it's really important. Then you can have multiple theories. You can try to attack more, defend more, whatever. You can do all of this and see what works, what doesn't. And I, I do the same with my businesses. I try to see, okay, what is my problem? How can I fix it? Let's try this. Let's try that. And um, I've tried a lot. I've tried a lot with with the community and you know this and i feel that i've learned a lot about this a lot about this business but recently i started to think that maybe there's one more thing about being indie hacker that it's crucial but i kind of neglected which is you have to kill your darlings i've said this sentence a lot because it's a sentence that kind of stuck this sentence was actually said for the first time, or at least I heard it for the first time from an interview I did just in the beginning, like really in the beginning, with my friend Matthias. And we were just discussing this, when to terminate the project. And he said this, do not kill your darlings. I love the sentence, but I don't think I interiorized it enough. I don't think I did. Because I, I did not kill it, I believe. I'm, I'm still with my darling. I'm still with the community. And granted, there are multiple situations, right? So let's say you build a project and you launch it and no one uses it. No one cares about it. It just does not work. Everyone says it sucks. That's actually good because it's an easy decision. You just close it down, pack up your things, go to the next project, done. You don't spend too much time with it. Great. If your product, of course, has tons of success, also easy, just continue. But something that is not discussed enough is what if your product or your project is, is making it, but not making enough, right? People like it or people love it. You have some really good users that are willing to pay for it, but the conversion rate is really low. It's basically what's happening with the community. It's something that, first of all, I love, something that I really enjoy, something that is fixing my problem, and it's fixing the problem of, of the other makers. 
right? At least the ones that use the community. And they like it. And to be honest, I don't want to brag, but I think ours is one of the top communities out there for indie makers. I, I've seen others, and they don't have the same engagement and vibe as we do. But at the same time, the conversion rates from free user to paid user is really low. People do not get it. You have to explain it. You need to convince people. And that's a struggle every, every day. And it's been a struggle for a long time. And I feel that I've, I really tried everything and I've done everything to make the business work. And it, again, it kind of works, but it's not enough. So this week, I actually decided to invest a lot in the community, which is, again, the opposite of maybe what I should be doing. But because I, I, I've, I found out about this GPT-3 API, like I told you last week, and the possibilities are endless. It's so, so much fun. And I thought, okay, maybe I can really do something good, like something new using this. So, yeah, I was... I came up with a bunch of interesting features and I was just using them. I j let me just give you some examples. I'm, I'm using it to do recaps, like really good recaps that basically read everything that happened in the past week and makes it a recap and sense to everyone so that you can always be aware of what's happening in the community. I'm, I'm doing kind of personalized recaps where I, I check out everything, all of your messages for your past week in the community, and I write tweets, and I generate blog posts. Like, I did this for myself, and it actually generated a really good blog post that I just copied and, and pasted on uh, Indie Hackers, and I pasted it on my own blog, and it's good. I, I will link it in the show notes. You can read it. It's really good. So all of these are assets. All of these are good because in my mind... If I offer this to the users, I'm just increasing the chances of engagement because they know that they have something to win. It's not only about sharing. They will also get some tweets and they will also get some content. And one other thing that kind of blew me away is I implemented a spam filter using GPT-3. It's so cool. So basically... You can always see that there's people when they join the community, some of them, they just want to spam their ideas. And again, I have been then, there and done that. I, I was one of those spammers, but like as a community manager, I don't want that. So I can see because even though these messages are deleted, I, I get to read them and people are just like, hey, here's my product, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the kind of people I want, right? I want actually to remove these people immediately because I'm afraid that they might just message the other the other um, members because unfortunately there's no way for me to block the DMs. So, or at least I didn't figure out yet how to do it. So I wanted to remove them because I, I don't think they have the right mindset. So what have I done? I actually wrote down a prompt using GPT-3 and say, basically the prompt is a question. The question is, is this user bluntly describing or bluntly showing his or her product and service without any introduction? That's it. I basically write this down and it works really well. 
if you are introducing yourself and maybe showing your product in a good way, perfect. If you are just bluntly showing your product, my filter that uses AI will detect that and say yes. And then I get to remove, remove this user from Slack. So the whole process is like fully automated. I was like working and automating everything in the community, really. Like the messages I'm sending so that people get to easily update. I, I worked in more gamification. I, I worked in so many things. And finally, after a week of working on that, I decided that I was done. And at least for now, everything looks good. And I'm happy with it. And I will just now be a user because the bots are managing everything. But while I was building all of this, I was thinking, am I wasting time? Like, why am I doing this? I should be working on something that makes more money or trying new projects or finding new freelance clients and not this. But I just cannot. It's, it's like... Maybe it's an, an, an healthy relationship. I don't know. I, I cannot disconnect. I like it so much. I, I love this community. I love this product. And yeah. It's funny because when I, when I go back to my first interviews, like when I interviewed Thibaut, I was re-listening to this one because I'll be interviewing Thibaut again. Uh, I don't know if you know, but he sold Tweet Hunter for, uh, I think, millions. So I, I really want to, and I was super excited with the fact that he actually accepted this interview. So I was really listening to that. There's one thing that he says in his interview that I think I, I, didn't, I didn't give enough importance to that, which is, he says that your, your conversion rate likely will go down. So the moment you launch your startup, your project, your website, there's when you'll find the best conversion rate because there's when you'll find your top users, the users that really need your solutions, the ones that do not care that you don't have all the features yet, that the products like kind of have bugs and doesn't look good because you're really solving their problems. So that's the best conversion rate. That's the user that you want, that they're willing to pay. From then on, it will probably get worse. Like it won't get better, most likely. So if this initial conversion rate is not good, kill your project. That's, that's basically it. That's what he says. And he also says that maybe your product can still succeed, but you will probably invest a lot of time. You don't know. It's a bet. It's a very risky bet. And we do not have a lot of these bets. We don't, do not have a lot of this time. As indie hackers, our most important resource is time because every second it goes by with us, making money, we are burning our savings. We don't have investors or anything, right? So yeah, that's kind of my realization that maybe I should really focus on killing my projects earlier. And if I think about it, I've tried other projects in the past. Like It's not like I've only been focusing on the community. I've done the indie lottery. I've done the indie offices. I've done so many other things simply didn't work at all, but I need to do more. Maybe that's why the one startup per month kind of thing works. And maybe I'll, that's something I should do. So I don't have any ideas, <laughs> which is funny. Like normally I have a lot of ideas, but I don't. Maybe something re related to the GPT or something, but I, I really don't have any ideas, which is also frustrating. 
but I think I just have to find them. I just have to find them and that's what I should focus on. Um, the plus side is that the podcast is making a little bit more money now, which is really cool with the sponsors. Helps helps a lot. And uh, yeah, I just need to find other other possibilities. But but yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's it for me. I think I think there was something else I wanted to tell you. I think there was something else. Oh yeah, I am going to Germany. I'm going to Germany in uh, in February, kind of mid of February. I'll be in Berlin. So I was thinking, how cool would it be to do a kind of WB meetup, like a podcast WB meetup? So some of the community people I know, they're from Berlin, but it would be cool to also meet some of the listeners. So I know there's a lot of people from Germany. What do you think? Shall we do this? I will uh, probably let you know. I don't have a date, my date yet, but I will definitely announce it on Twitter. So you can follow me at WBTiago. And we'll just go for beers, man. I really miss German beers. I'm so excited to get some German beers. <laughs> so yeah, we can go for, for some beers and it'll be fun. I think most likely we can do this on um, maybe Friday the 24th. Could be, or maybe the other week. So just DM me, WB Tiago, and, and uh, tell me if you're interested or not. And the uh, next episode, I'll give you more details. But yeah, tell me if you're interested or not. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get to know each other. Finally, I'll hear from you, from your indie problems and projects and achievements and everything. So I'm really, really happy for that. And yeah, that's basically it. I have this this week I promised you and I will release my interview with Dagobert. I think it will be a great one and you'll enjoy that one. And I will also interview Thibaut, but that's for another week. And uh, yeah, why don't you join the community? <laughs> Basically, as well. <laughs> I know that I said I should kill it, but it's, it's running. I will definitely keep it. Probably focus less, but it's really a great place to meet other makers. So it's 10 bucks per month and you'll be also supporting this podcast. You can also become a sponsor uh, and showcase your indie products. The links will be the show notes and you can get the WB merch, everything. You just scroll down bloop, 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 and check out the show notes. The show, the show notes. <laughs> this was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time. anyone ever tried cold showers? Is it good? Let me know.